Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, everybody? Monday, January 16th. We are post UFC Phoenix Live. Yours truly and Sean Rossap. We got to see BJ Penn. Sort of return to action, uh, and unfortunately, uh, kind of made me sick to my stomach. We'll get to that momentarily. We'll talk about all this card here, a bunch of information, some information released by the Ultimate Fighting Championship uh, regarding uh, a new season of the Ultimate Fighter, uh, a new uh, venue, a new city, a new date for a pay-per-view. Uh, we'll get to that. But uh, as always, after all events, I'm joined by Sean Rosslap. Sean, BJ Penn. Oh, that stuff just made me sick to my stomach. What are your thoughts on that fight there versus Yair Rodriguez? Ah, so maybe I'll seem like a heartless bastard. I don't know. I was, I've never been a big fan of BJ Penn. I've always respected him for what he does. Respected him for, keep in mind, this guy who just fought 145-pound Yair Rodriguez once fought eventual UFC light heavyweight champion Lyoto Machida. He, he was one of the, the OGs of not giving a shit about weight divisions when there were weight divisions. Um. This was the opposite of how a BJ Penn return should have been booked. I liked the idea of him fighting a Dennis Seaver when that was announced. I did not like the idea of him fighting Yair Rodriguez. Maybe if he had come back and beaten a Dennis Seaver, you put him against Yair Rodriguez. But let, let's be honest, Joe. Regardless of who Penn fought, if he would have won, four and a half months later, he would have been getting leg kicked to death by Jose Aldo because that's what the UFC would have done. They absolutely would have done that. So uh, I, I wasn't as disgusted by how this fight played out, especially when we see low-level guys tapping to Ezekiel chokes in the UFC. But we'll, we'll get to all that. <laughs> was, uh, the fact that it was set up. Yeah, we will get to that. The fact that the choke was set up uh, was almost ridiculous. In terms of BJ Penn, though, like I never wanted him to come back at all from the very beginning from from when it was announced like i mean what i saw there i was there in person when he fought frankie edgar in july of 2014 what i saw there was i enough enough was enough there's something going on he's not training properly he's just trying to change mixed martial arts especially with that stand-up style and you know to this date he says i mean i've heard stories as to why it was done and, and stuff like that but he just bj penn in my opinion uh, his legacy continues to get tarnished. His last two fights now, for sure, have tarnished his legacy. And this is a guy that, you know, people are talking, like Ben Sonner said, he's the greatest of all time, legit the greatest of all time. And you saw the promos, and the UFC is always going to do promos to make their fighters look really good. Uh, and this guy was the greatest, one of the best at welterweight, one of the best at, at lightweight, and the greatest lightweight champion of all time. But he's just, his, his legacy continues to get tarnished. Like, to see, even when he was walking to the cage, yeah, there, there was some excitement in me, but I'm like, you're fighting Yair Rodriguez, man. It's, it's just a different level like I mean father time has cut up to BJ Penn uh, and honestly I, I was watching and getting sicker and sicker uh, I will say this though people are complaining uh, well not many people but some people are complaining about John McCarthy stoppage the actual stoppage in my opinion was fine because you can see 
Big John sort of looking into BJ's eyes, and BJ was still trying to move and move and move. But you know, they start getting into a lot of numbers and numbers, and a couple of shots were actually landing. So Big John had enough. He was giving BJ as much respect as he could possibly give BJ. But I mean, enough is enough. But in my opinion, like, I mean, BJ Penn should never come back to the octagon. I mean, hopefully, I mean, I was hoping to see a post-fight interview where he says, "Okay, you know what? That's it. This is for real. That's it." And we we never really know, but. What does this really do? A, so do you think BJ will actually come back, Sean? And does this really do anything for Yair Rodriguez? Well, uh, more people know who Yair Rodriguez is, if if you go by that. And the UFC has done strong television numbers of late, or at least dating back to the summer last year. And this traditionally has been a big evening for the UFC. Uh, and they could have done better. Last year, it was Dillashaw Cruz. The year before that, it was McGregor and Seaver. I mean, McGregor was the selling point, but this was the post-NFL playoff slot that had performed pretty well, if I remember correctly. I know the McGregor one did. I can't remember the Cruz-Dillashaw, but I would imagine it did. You have Yair Rodriguez, who's a top 10 UFC featherweight. And, you know, more people will know who he is. That, that's about the extent of what that does, and it adds a few more uh, clips to a highlight reel that somebody's going to make and put on YouTube for BJ Penn. If he wants to fight again, I think he will, but they really got to go like the Bellator route. They really got to go that. And I don't mean like him going to Bellator. I mean like him fighting someone more, his age, more, his talent level, ease him into that situation, putting in him in there, in there with a slaughterhouse, like Yair Rodriguez. That's, that's a bad idea. That was a bad idea from the jump. We, everybody knew what was going to happen. Anybody else who said any different and had watched Yair Rodriguez fight in the past was kidding themselves. And, you know, you had those people that were being nostalgic, and that's fine. It's okay to be be nostalgic. Uh, but we knew what was going to happen. I, I just I, – I don't see how anybody thought anything else was going to be different. The, the stoppage, I was fine with that, yeah. It makes me think, though. Why would the UFC put this fight on just to get your ear over? Ratings. Ratings. That is. Oh, just... But I mean, there's. I mean, I'm not as outraged by that. You know, I get pretty outraged by a lot of things uh, that I think are ridiculous. Penn thought he could compete. He really did. And to his credit, to BJ Penn's credit, every single person they threw at him, he said, yep, 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 give me. I'll take him. Don't care who it is. Because it took like, what, three or four times to make this fight happen, and each opponent got progressively, it looked like a more uphill battle for BJ Penn until we saw this. Hey, Yair Rodriguez doesn't need to be fighting BJ Penn, and BJ Penn doesn't need to be fighting Yair Rodriguez, but if if you want BJ Penn to fight again, put him two from the top and have him fight Dennis Seaver, and I'm cool with that. Uh, otherwise, I, I would have to really look at the UFC's featherweight. I'll pull up the, their their uh, who who all's there, but really, that's, that's really all I got. Now you know what it's just it, it, it's yeah. I, I listen. I, I will buy your argument that it is ratings. I think it's a fantastic. Uh, I think you're right. It just drives me nuts, man. It just drives me that there's no reason to put this fight on. I mean, Don Fry probably thinks he can come back and fight yeah. uh, any heavyweight. I mean, there's guys out there that have retired that are long gone from the sport that probably still think, you know what, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. You, you, we got to save fighters from themselves, you know. Can BJ Penn still fight? Of course he can. Can he fight in the UFC at any level, at any division? Not necessarily unless, like you said, he's fighting guys that are close to his own age or at his own quote-unquote skill level because follow time has cut up with him. He can't deal with the speed of Yara Rodriguez. We saw that tonight, and you know we saw what happened in that Frankie Edgar fight. BJ Penn is not an elite mixed martial artist anymore, uh, and it sucks that he gets paraded out into the octagon uh, by a young lion to devour and then just for them to make money. I mean, didn't didn't Dana White often say, when, especially when Chuck Liddell, I don't need to make that kind of money. I want to make money, but not that kind of money. So BJ Penn, what, they're getting back at him now for everything he did in the past when he took off with the title and went to go fight in Japan. And now it's just, you know, it's, it's honestly, Sean, uh, it, it makes me sick. Guida, Gray Maynard, Dennis Seaver, Cole Miller. Those are the guys I would be okay with him fighting. That's about it. Yeah. And it means nothing for pretty much any of the rankings, really. Yeah. You know, but, uh, yeah, it's just – but this, I mean – 
On Friday's podcast, on Friday's Fightful MMA podcast, uh, Reed Kuhn basically kind of hinted at what he knows the UFC's plan, the new ownership is planning on doing in 2017 and sort of almost echoed what you'd been saying and what you and I had been discussing. Uh, there's going to be changes to the UFC. So uh, I sort of can't wait till Friday's uh, podcast to see what he has to say. But hopefully this is the type of stuff that where they start um, – trimming the fighters that really don't belong in the UFC and really making it what it used to be, which was the Super Bowl of mixed martial arts. Only the best of the best technically compete in the UFC. I know there's that Fox deal. I know there's a new television deal uh, that's going to be happening. They're going to start shopping it soon, Sean. You had mentioned that on numerous occasions, but yeah, you know what, dude? Like it's just enough's enough. Uh, you know, I, you know. Part of my honesty, uh, I guess, it's my inner Joe Lozon uh, talking about honesty because Joe Lozon was extremely honest after his fight versus Marcin Held when the when the cards were announced, the judge's decision was announced. He was already shaking his head. He's like, "No way." I 100% disagree, uh, and I agree with Joe Lozon. I kind of gave that fight to Marcin Held. What about you? Yeah, I did too. I couldn't believe that. That uh, that Joe Lozon got that fight, and hey, good on Joe Lozon for being in touch with reality. And he, like he said, he's been there before. But poor Marcin Held, like I thought he big brothered Joe Lozon on the ground, and to have that that win taken from him, I saw somebody say not a robbery, but Held should have won. I absolutely think that was a robbery. I don't know how you could give that fight to Joe Lozon. I was shocked. I mean, the one judge that did give it to Held had it 30-27. Um, I'd have to watch it again to go back that far, but I didn't see one person, not one person in the media give that fight to, to uh, Joe Lozon. I, uh, looking back, I probably would have had it 29-28 Held. 29-28 Held is, is what I actually had because Joe Lozon, in my opinion, won that first round. Yeah, yeah. I, I had uh, Held winning rounds two and three. Man, I just don't know how, which it's funny because like you and I see one thing, not one of those scorecards said what we thought. So are we the idiots here, Joe? Well, no, someone had posted that and I forgot who it was, but they had posted that when a winning fighter says he completely lost the fights, it's time to get new judges in mixed martial arts. And I want to talk a little bit about this from last night's Invicta. What a shit show Missouri is. First, they don't adopt the new rules. Okay, geniuses. Then you got that situation in the Montenegro uh, Celine Haga fight, and uh, the fact that Celine Haga, by the way, can go like one and eleven in her career, go to Jackson Winklejohn, and then go like nine and two says a lot about Jackson Winklejohn. By the way, guys, BJ Penn didn't really train Jackson Winklejohn for this camp, uh, as I think Mark Ramondi pointed out on Twitter. They used footage from last year when they were promoting that. But um, did you see that uh, where Montenegro went out? And she was out when the bell rang. Yep, I saw it. And they took it to a judge's score. And, and uh, Big John McCarthy said, that's supposed to end the fight. Ultimately, it's at the ref's discretion, but you're told that should end the fight. We still got a long way to go in MMA, Joe. We got a long way. I've been saying it for a while. You've seen me flip off a few times this week alone, talking about when, when, when everybody that came on the podcast this week, and we talked about the new rules and the unification or the new rules uh, in, in MMA that are taking place now in 2017. And some way, somehow, we got onto judging and we got onto refing. And, and again, I mean, this, this sport's been around for 20 years now, more than 20 years, you know, 1993. Uh, 23 years it's been around, and we st- we're still having problems with referees and judges. It's stupid. And it absolutely sucks. And again, today or tonight, we saw it. Joe Lozon did not emerge victorious, but got his hand raised. I have a newfound concern. We, we pay Elias Theodoro, who's in the UFC, has a fight booked. What if he gets screwed? That affects Fightful.com's money. Come on now. We can't have his stock going down just because these judges suck. By the way, what, what day do you have him on? I believe he'll be on with me on Tuesday. Tomorrow I've got uh, Adam Martin. Tuesday uh, I have Elias Theodoro, if I'm not mistaken, Sean Pearson on Friday. You'll be with me on Thursday. Or sorry, Sean Pearson on Wednesday. You'll be with me on Thursday, and then Friday will be Reed Kuhn. But cheap plug there for you. Yes, but uh, at the same time, we have to roll the dice. We just never really know what can happen because when you're dealing with guys like Pearson uh, and Elias Theodoro, the egos, right? The egos that, and the politics. <laughs> that's not, well, yeah, I guess you could say that, but. 
we're on their schedule. They're not on ours. So as soon as they confirm, I make the announcement. Yeah. Pearson's got to fix that wiener cam he's got going on. I will talk to him about that. Yes, Jimmy Van informed me that the wiener wiener cam didn't work. (laughs) So what happened with Sean had so many technical difficulties that he was working different cameras. As soon as we got the one to work, we're like, just just, no, go with it. Go with it, go with it, go with it. So, yeah, we will, we will uh, endeavor to fix that uh, for the next who, episode. But uh, Who he, knew that he, he walked off. around with a GoPro attached to his crotch? Yeah, well, <laughs> wouldn't be, to be honest with you, it wouldn't surprise me with Pearson. He's known uh, to true. do crazy things. Uh, what we didn't see uh, in anything crazy in the fight between Ben Saunders and Court McGee, uh, and I literally, I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm getting old. And we talk about MMA mileage on fighters. I think there's an MMA mileage in my brain where I'm watching this fight and I was just kind of like, oh my God, can something happen here, guys? Like, what were your thoughts on that boat? I like uh, McGee was staying heavy on top. Uh, I thought that Saunders had to make something happen and evidently he did enough. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, yeah. I, I thought that uh, McGee was really begging to get head kicked off of a combo. He Whenever Saunders would throw his punches, uh, McGee would dip his head down towards the the power leg of Saunders, and Saunders would be just like half a second behind. Um, It felt like McGee was getting less done inside than he was in round one uh, as the fight went on, but I thought he stayed busier. But this was a fight I won't remember next week. No. No chance. And I, I, one good thing about Court McGee and John Anik referred to it a couple of times is this guy's got energy and energy and he can go for 15 minutes. No problem. But even, even Ben Saunders, who's never had the most aesthetically pleasing style in mixed martial arts, it just seems to progressively getting worse. I'm not saying he's Keith Jardinish, but it's just one of those things where you're just kind of like, Oh my God, like, what are you doing, dude? But those kicks land. Um, and there, there's, there's something that happened in this fight that I'll, I'll refer to when we get to another fight coming up. Uh, and I just found it kind of strange, but um, it just, it, like you said, it's not a fight I'm going to remember next week. And, you know, it's probably already starting to being erased from the memory blocks in my head that I probably have minimal amounts of space left from watching so much mixed martial arts over the past, what, 23 years? Uh, and not just the UFC, but, uh, you know, that, that fight there is just, I mean, does it do anything? For anyone in the rankings at 170 pounds, like nothing. Like I said, UFC could have done so much better with this show. And it's something that I will I will talk about at length later, but a lot of these shows, no offense, they should have been on Access TV. And I love Access TV. Access TV loves me too. But um, a lot of these fights should have been on Access TV or Fight Pass. Uh it's just it's the sad reality of it. Uh, I hope that changes. As uh, here's another cheap plug for you, Elias Theodore. We talked about the sheer number, the the massive number of fights that the UFC puts on because they are a content provider now. I hope that kind of gets scaled back because I would really love this to be the elite of the elite. The elite. I mean, you got guys coming off of uh, Dana White looking for a fight. It looks like they should have been looking for a hell of a lot more fights outside of the UFC before they got there. I enjoy that show, but the scouting process leaves a lot to be desired, apparently, based on the talent that is, has come from it. We'll get to that fight momentarily. Uh, Sean is referring, referring to Devin Powell. Uh, yeah, that, I, we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, the opening butt of the broadcast saw Sergio Pettis hey! taking out John Moraga. Um, a real UFC fight. A UFC-level fight. I yeah, can't it, find that. I, yeah, no, it was it was it was a good scrap. But what kind of sort of caught my eye, uh, and again, I never claimed to be this six foot two giant. I'm, I'm five foot seven, uh, but I saw Sergio uh, at the UFC event in Toronto, uh, and we were just shaking hands, shooting a breeze. I'm like, yeah, it's you know, I'm look at me, I'm bigger than uh, obviously I'm bigger than him. But uh, I was like, wow, I saw John Moraga, and I'm like, I've met John Moraga. I don't remember him being that small. Because, you know, you look at Sergio Pettis, he looked bigger than him. Uh, and did what he had to do. I really thought Sergio was going to finish this fight, especially considering what happened uh, in round one. I thought coming out in round two, they're going to start picking him apart and they're going to finish him off. Credit to John Moraga. This thing went the distance. So uh, good on him, but the right person won this fight at least. I think Sergio Pettis may have been my first MMA interview that I ever did. Which, he's 23 years old, and maybe that shows how young I am in the sport. But this was like five or six years ago. Because he's been at it for a long time. 
I was doing like a series called Bloodlines or something where I would interview the less famous brothers of famous fighters. And if you watch Sergio Pettis fight back then, you could even tell like, okay, even though he is the less famous brother, he's got a real shot and he's making good on that real shot. Uh, I think he's better than five or six of the top 10 fighters in that division. Moraga was one of them that he was better than. Um, the, the thing about Mar- or Pettis has been in his fight with um, Alex Caceres, and gosh, I have to remember who else he fought and lost to. He was controlling both of those fights and left these gaping holes for other people to capitalize on. And John Moraga was a good matchup based on that because he's really good at capitalizing on those holes. But Pettis did a super good job of not like getting too amped up, getting too excited, uh, chasing Moraga down, leaving himself open. Like like he had in the past. I thought Moraga was doing an okay job at getting Pettis to maybe lead so he could counter, but he he wasn't like feigning enough. Pettis was doing that with abundance. He and, and I think Cormier pointed it out on the broadcast. He would combo, he would drop back, and he would do it some more. Uh that Rufus Sport striking is prime for Sergio Pettis. Now, I got one for you. How far do you think Sergio Pettis is from a title shot in this division? Because he's won three in a row, and it doesn't take a whole lot more than that. You're absolutely correct. That was something I wanted to bring up. Thank you very much for that. Uh, you got to think, he is, what, one fight, two fights away? Because they're just looking for anyone and anyone um, to fight Demetrius Johnson. So, you know, don't be surprised if he gets uh, that extra push, if not a catapult. Yeah, and he's got that name, too. That name's kind of important. Um, and here, here's the thing. Like, a lot of people will be like, well, he's just getting it because of that name. I disagree. Why was Wilson Hayes getting it? Because he won a few fights in a row. Uh, Sergio Pettis could have, could have won every single fight he's ever had in his entire MMA career. He's had a couple of fights that his inexperience and uh, his age really, really shone through. And uh, one of those was at Bantamweight. And... Hey, you know, he's fighting as a flyweight now. That that happens. Those are growing pains. Everybody loses in MMA. I think he's won five of six or maybe four of five. I I could think of far worse things than giving him a title shot at this point. Maybe maybe was, Wilson Hayes gets it, but <laughs> you think he was smart in calling uh, calling off Formiga again? Not if he wants that. supposed to fight. Yeah, that's a tough fight for anybody in that division. Um but it, I say, I'll tell you what, if he doesn't get the title shot, the winner of that fight will get the title shot, without a doubt. Because they've, they've wanted Formiga to get a title shot for a while, I think. It's just the matter of him putting a couple of wins, to get, putting the right number of wins together. You mentioned Dana White looking for a fight. Uh, it's a show that they have with the Ultimate Fighting Championship. You can see it on Fight Pass. You can probably see it on, on YouTube. Uh, I haven't watched one episode, uh, only because I know what goes into making a show like that. Um, case in point, tonight we got to see someone that Dana White selected in Devin Powell, uh, and he took on uh, someone that was making their Octagon debut as well in Drakkar Close. And I took one look at Devin Powell, and you know, with all due respect, because I've seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of fighters that fight like that uh, at grassroots, that when I see them get to the UFC, uh, I'm not much of a wagering guy. I write about fun bets, I literally looked at the odds and some props for Drakkar Close to finish off Devin Powell. And unfortunately, it didn't happen. And luckily, I didn't put any money down. But I sincerely thought that Drakkar Close was going to finish Devin Powell. Not because I think Devin Powell is a bad mixed martial artist. I just look at his skill set. I look at his style. And to be in the UFC, there's still more that Devin Powell needs to do. And you talk about scouting. And what the UFC does to scout, I think there's a reason why Joe Silva and Sean Shelby technically are the scouts. Uh, and when they let Dana White do it, this is potentially what happens. Anybody can look good facing really, really low-level talent. I'll say this. Uh, thankfully for Close, he fights out of Glendale, Arizona instead of Glendale, California. But he has a promising clinch game. Um, and the one thing I noticed about Powell is that <laughs> – Instead of taking like one or two steps back when he's defending a combination or a strike, he'll take like nine. Like oh, he goes all the way across goes the sprint mode. Yeah, he goes all the way across the cage, and I'm like, that's the opposite of what you wanted. 
you're, you're trying to conserve energy by not getting punched in the face and then you're wasting all that energy, you probably would have been better off just eating the, eating the jab. I, I don't know. Uh, this, this is a one-sided fight. It wasn't even close. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I absolutely like it. Um, so like John Onyx saying that uh, Marcine held, you know, he held down Joe Lozen uh-huh. and, and DC didn't catch it. So I liked, uh, I liked Cormier. Hey, how long have I been calling for it? You have. You have. You absolutely have. I think Cormier, the only knock that I have on Cormier, and it's not a bad one. It's not a bad one. It's a typical broadcasting thing that, you know, that I deal with, that my, my own teammates deal with sort of thing is just – yeah, you're allowed to silence. You're allowed to silence. You're allowed to let things breathe. Uh, it took me a long time to learn that. There are times when finishes happen uh, in a fight, Sean, where I'm like, do I chime in now or do I let the crowd take it? Yeah. If it's a shocker or a surprise, I jump in. If it's something that's expected, let it breathe, let it happen, and let it go. Uh, for DC, uh, he was just, you know, he was just once that battery, once that, that. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins. And little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That string was pulled and let go. He just kept talking and talking and talking and talking. His analysis is fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but just got to let it breathe a little bit. Just let it I'm breathe. E- done. Hey, I'm excited to hear him. He's, he's going to be in a three-man booth with Anik and Rogan at the pay-per-view. That's, that's going to be hard. I'll tell you right now, that's, that's a challenge. I'm, I'm excited to hear it, but like he, he seems to be a quick learner. Like There are some mistakes that people who haven't done commentary might not know, like you want to avoid saying things like he hit him. Well, who hit who? He doesn't. He has. I didn't hear him do that. Um, things like saying, "Let's see what we have here." Well, they know what is here. They're watching here. Like he he avoided a lot of rookie mistakes of broadcasting and commentary that I hear Joe Rogan and Mike Goldberg making. Uh, by the way, did you see Mike Goldberg in the audience? I did not know. He was there in the audience in his freaking harley davidson shirt chilling out like mugging for the camera front row brian tweeted that apparently he was going to walk bj penn out and the ufc wouldn't let him i don't know how true that is but that's what he that's what he tweeted i, I don't even know what dimension that's in what now that makes what yeah. isn't that weird like that that's that's unusual for me he should have gotten a send-off he's not Yes, I that I agree with. Yeah, he should have gotten a send off. That's just so weird. I get it. The new regime doesn't like him. I didn't like him that much either. As a, as a performer, what he did, I didn't like him that much. I thought he was really hokey. He would say a lot of things that didn't make sense, but he deserved a send off. Meh. All right, moving on. Moving on. It's it's it, it's. It's a weird, weird scenario uh, based on what you just told me and what, what Front Row Brian made just, or what he tweeted. That is odd. Also, uh, sorry sorry to interrupt. Did you hear Cormier get caught on the hot mic? The F-bomb? <laughs> yeah. Now, as a guy who has had a broadcast partner or two get caught on a hot mic, what is that like when, when the person finds out? Not to name names. Uh, I've, I've, it's happened numerous times, never to me. <laughs> Uh, but never I see you actually, I've never heard that happen to you. No, no, not that I'm aware of. You know why? why? Do you know something you're, I know of? Why? You're a professional <laughs> and you know that if you are, if you can see the mic, the mic's probably on somewhere. If so, yeah, it's, it's, it's re- television, radio, play by play. If I'm near any headset that has a microphone, like you said, <laughs> I go into pro mode. 
I go into there will be no f bombs. There'll be no uh, talking about what happened last night. Talking about beautiful women walking around. Uh, th- that's been something that's happened on numerous occasions where I'm just looking at my partner and I'm like, don't do, it. don't. <laughs> I know you think we're in in commercial break right now. These mics are hot. Even if the viewers can't see it, the truck can hear it, and yeah. the truck can hit. There's a button in every truck that's called blackmail. Yeah, get them. The first Record time, it. the first time I got caught on a hot mic, it was so funny. I was doing commentary for Absolute Action MMA, which is an amateur, an Ami Pro promotion, and they had way more amateur fights than pro. It was like nine Ami. Too pro, and you know how Amy fights go, Joe. It's either like twenty seconds or the full three rounds. That's generally how it goes. And like eight of these fights had went like twenty seconds. Oh boy! And they got me on the hot mic going. Well, at least they got an hour out of the show. And the like, some of the coaches backstage were, I guess, pissy about it. And I was like, well, you know, maybe make your fighters a little bit better, and we'll have a better show. But oh, wow. yeah, that's that's the yeah. worst I've got caught. No, there's, there's, oh, I, I won't give any examples or any names now, but there have been a few times where I just put my head down and I'm like, I literally write it down on a piece of paper, Sean. I'm like, Mike is always underscore hot, right? And they're like, oh my God. I'm like, anyways, whatever. Um, speaking of um, things that weren't hot, uh, Augusto Mendez, uh, Jiu Jitsu champ, his shaking hands when he strikes, when he's, coming into his opponent and his hands are shaking. It's like, dude, I, I know you need the experience and you're great at jujitsu. Uh, your striking will come along the way, but Frankie signs, uh, I guess, I don't, I wouldn't say age is catching up with him, but you know, he, he didn't look too good. The one, the one thing that I found awkward, this is what I was talking about in the fight before. Same thing with the Ben Saunders fight is why was Augusto Mendez defending takedowns? Like if that, you was, take- that was weird. Wasn't it? Take me down. That's what I want. Let's do yeah. it. Take me down. I mean, it's it's good to see that he has a little more in his repertoire than than his jujitsu. But hey, if they're going there, then go there. It's like it's almost the Ronda Rousey thing. It's like okay, well, why wasn't people said why wasn't she showing more? Well, people were running at her, and she was able to throw them overhead and tap them out. Okay. I don't know why he didn't do that. I don't know why he didn't just go to the ground and, and handle it. Uh, I saw that Signs was digging, uh, like he was going to the body an awful lot. He left his head out there an awful lot. Uh, but it, you could tell Mendez had to think twice about it because uh, even even though Signs' head was there, he just kept getting attacked to the body. Uh, there was that spot where Mendez got dropped with a big elbow. Uh, he followed uh, Mendez to the mat, and I was like, oh, this is going to be it. This is going to be it. And it wasn't. That third round was tough to score, though, I thought. Correct. It was just it was a weird round to score. I think Augusto Mendez's striking is going to get much better. Uh, but, again, I, I'm baffled when I see guys that are world champions like that. Um, what are you defending the takedown for, dude? Go, take it down. Let's go. Let's rumble. We can do this. Um, speaking of interesting... Ground game and submissions uh, and heavy, <laughs> a heavyweight fight. Alexi Olenek uh, defeats Victor Pesta by an Ezekiel choke. And if anyone didn't see this fight, it's so – you won't even believe Sean or myself for explaining this, but there were times when Victor Pesta was in side control and or – Mount and you know Alexi is going for an Ezekiel choke, which is basically you can consider it a rear, um, a, a front a rear naked choke, but on the opposite side, you're still trying to either squeeze the two um, arteries coming down the neck and or something. I mean, both guys, I've got I've seen guys kind of do it over the Adam's apple. I don't, wouldn't recommend doing it like that. I kind of like the way Alinek was doing it, but the second attempt, he did it once, and you know Pesto was able to get out. Then he does it a second time, and this time it was more or less. Pesta was basically in side control, and he, you know, Olenek puts it on, and people are like, "Oh, he's stalling, he's stalling." He's, like, he's not stalling, right? And then leaves his legs, leaves his body flat out. And what does Pesta do? He just comes into the mount, and then you see Olenek basically tighten it up, and then you just see him pounding, pounding, pounding. And he stops, and he's like, "Uh, I'm tapping." What well, went through your mind, mind, Sean, when you saw this? 
What went through my mind is that I got to email Chael Sonnen tomorrow and get him to book Victor Pesta versus, uh, versus what's his face. Uh, the light heavyweight that that's so good. Oh yeah. I know, I know I'm drawing a blank too now. Oh, hold on. oh my gosh. Krylov. I got to see them in a submission only grappling match. <laughs> just to see it. which one tap, just to see which one taps to a closed guard. Oh my God. That's hilarious. That's just, um, now I'll say this. If you're getting tapped to an Ezekiel choke, there are far worse people to get tapped by than a guy who has nine of them in uh, Alexi Olenek. I mean, he got Adlon, Adlon uh, Amagov in one, and, you know, he's a damn good fighter. Now, granted, it was in Amagov's first fight ever, and needless to say, the size disparity there, a eh, little bit. A little, little bit. bit. Uh, Amagov eventually fought as a welterweight, so... Pest is gone. Uh, also, Frankie Signs is probably gone. So, yeah, there were a lot of boats on this card here. People can definitely say, you know what, that's it. Enough's enough. These people are all getting cut. It's, it felt like one of those shows where it was a it was uh, a butcher show. These people are fighting. The losers are gone. And even if few of you might be uh, gone, but uh, the rest of the cards, you know, saw Tony Martin take out Alex White, uh, Nina Ansaroff take on uh, Jocelyn Jones, Leibarger, Walt Harris. With a brutal combination, oh, yeah. uh, taking out Chase Sherman, uh, Joaquin Christensen with a beautiful uppercut, taking on Boyan Mihalovic, and of course, Cyril Asker. Uh, he got a TKO in the first round against Dmitry uh, Smolnikov. Uh, anything you want to talk about those last five bouts there? A fantastic UFC fight pass show. You could not, at, at no point was it predictable when a fight was going to end or not. I mean, you had first, second, third round finishes. Walt Harris looked really good. Um, I think maybe he just needed to mature a little bit after that first UFC run that didn't work out for him. I mean, he lost to Krylov, so apparently he had some maturing to do. He's come back. He's won two of his last three fights, and that one loss was a split decision. Excited to see where he goes. He's 33 years old, but in heavyweight ear, that's not that bad. Uh, Need to answer off. You, you hear her getting talked up by American Top Team a lot, and she is the, the girlfriend of Amanda Nunes. She lived up to every bit of uh, uh, that hype that they had been giving her. And she was fighting for her job. These are two girls fighting for their, for their jobs. And you said, like a butcher show, they're going to have to have a couple of these. They're cutting costs. So if they cut costs, I would imagine they're going to put on maybe not less cards, but less fights. You got to get rid of some of these people. Uh, Liebarger is one of those people that's probably going to go. She's 0-3 in the UFC. Head back to Invicta. Far worse things than heading back to Invicta. If you've ever even entertained the idea of fighting in the UFC, Invicta will sign you in a heartbeat. So, and after what I saw last night, women getting un- choked unconscious with no hooks in, um, yeah, they, they could probably use some UFC veterans. <laughs> well, during the broadcast, they announced that uh, Tough, uh, the Ultimate Fighter Redemption debuts April 19 with coaches Cody Garbrandt and TJ Dillashaw. Bitter. Rivals, they're calling it. Bitter Rivals. Uh, it's going to feature some former tough winners. I guess former tough contestants, to my understanding. Uh, and, of course, uh, one active UFC fighter. Uh, your James thoughts on Krause. this one? James Krause. You know it's James Krause? It's James Krause, yes. Um, rumored for the show, rumored, Gerald Harris. Oh, your boy. I had messaged him about it a few weeks ago. He said it's nothing for sure, and I think he, I think he also followed up with, and I'm not going to believe it till I'm there. <laughs> so, because you know he's, we won't go into it. His raw deal has been more than covered by us in, in the past. I think that slam really helped him out. That, yes, that was uh, epic, especially with his opponent uh, doing what he did and saying what he did. Uh, anyone else you think could be on the show here, like former contestants? I mean, uh, you know, the, the show used to always have so much drama. I mean, Joe Daddy Stevenson. You think so? Jesse Taylor, Eddie Truck Gordon, Ramsey Nijum, Jamie Yeager, Mike Ricci. Justin Edwards, Zach Cummings, Diego Lima, Diego with an H, 
Here's one for you. You ready for this one? Oh, don't tell me Diego Lima. Uh, okay, because he's with Titan, but that's okay. Sorry, go ahead. You ready for this one? Sure. Junie Browning. No. No chance they're going to get Junie Browning. No chance they would want Junie Browning. Well, then again, like you said, they put BJ Penn on. He's 31 years old. He's 31. Can you believe that? Still 31. He's crazy. He he won a fight in October. I was there. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. First fight in four years, he won it. Was he still a bit of a disaster and a mess, or just did what he had to do and left? He's, uh, from what I've heard, he straightened his life out. For the past... Literally, since he stopped fighting, he straightened his life out. And Hard Rock MMA was doing the Flow Sports thing. And I don't know if it was Flow Sports that stepped in and said, hey, is Junie around? Get him to fight. Put him on. And he did. And he won in about three minutes. Just the rumored cast. Just the rumored Just cast. the rumored cast. All right. UFC 210 will be going down in Buffalo the very first time the UFC – or sorry, the first time the UFC – uh, will be in Buffalo since I think UFC 7, which is, if I'm not mistaken, 1996 uh, or 98. Correct me if I'm wrong there, Sean. But that's Buffalo. It's about an hour and a half uh, from this location right here. Will they even let you in the building, Joe? Uh, I'm going to say 80-20, no. But mm. whatever. Well, I'll make the trip out there. There's plenty of good things to do uh, out in Buffalo. Not many, but uh, I'm sure I'll figure something out. But uh uh, we'll see. We'll. Uh, I assume we'll apply for a credential if they let me in. Great. If yeah. not, whatever. Maybe I should apply in Elias's name, then just give you the the credential. That could. Yeah, you could probably do that. Show. Well, we look they don't still reject us. Yeah. No matter what, they'll just they'll just yeah. Show it on. He who? said Judy Browning. Yeah. That oh, fucking bozo. Oh, those guys. Anyways, uh, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Uh, that's coming up on April 9th. Uh, and then about a week later, I'll be in uh, in Japan for the Ryzen show. So that could be a busy two-week stretch for yours truly. Uh, one thing um, I want to ask you real quick, because uh, what, in nine, in less than nine hours, <laughs> I'll, have, uh, I'll have Adam Martin join me for the, uh, I guess, the real Monday MMA podcast. Fightful MMA podcast because this is technically a Sunday one, but uh, it is what it is. Anderson Silva taking on Derek Brunson. I, I don't know what your thoughts are on this. It's, to me, it just feels like, oh my, how the mighty have fallen. Yeah, I mean, Brunson, he, he lost his last fight. And hey, if Brunson fights like he did in his last fight, he's going to lose to Anderson Silva. He's going to lose because you let's take a look back at Anderson Silva's record. You could argue that he beat Michael Bisping or that he should have beaten Michael Bisping. And you know what? If they fight again, I don't know that Michael Bisping beats him. If they fought tomorrow, Anderson Silva might be the UFC middleweight champion again. That's how well he did in parts. He lost to Daniel Cormier, but you you got Daniel Cormier there. Daniel Cormier did not want any parts of Anderson Silva on the feet. Cormier made some concessions and was like, ah, this fight is kind of rough. I need to try to make it exciting. Well, time to take him to the ground. Then you go back, he beat Nick Diaz. You see the way that he lost to Chris Weidman both times. Now, I feel like he was probably going to lose that second fight no matter what. The first fight, he looked like he was bored. But that second fight, he was going to lose no matter what. We are a few, and you know, he... He just did a favor to the UFC taking that fight. Not only do I think he has a chance to win, I think he fulfills his contract, his five or six straight next fights. I think he'll fill it. I think he'll do it. I just find it so weird, man. I mean, even when... 42! Yeah. Who did Shogun fight a while ago? I don't know if it was OSP or so on. I'm like, if he'd have told me five years ago, Shogun who was fighting OSP or Anderson still would be fighting Derek Brunson... I'd have thought, no chance. These guys are they're, they're legend. They're just going to retire and call it a career. Well, that's obviously not going to happen. Um, Might be telling you in a few months that Shogun Hu is fighting for a title if he wins a couple fights. Oh, God, no. How crazy is that with the shape that division's in? I know it's terrible. That two will fight. It's in terrible shape. It's just brutal. Um, Dana White said he would pay Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather $25 million each and then – We'll discuss splitting a pay-per-view. Now, I, I looked at this from a variety of angles, all of which sort of funnel down to 
maybe the UFC obviously says, hey, wait a second. We can either get in on this joke or we can make a lot of money doing this. We'll throw these numbers out to piss them off, but behind the scenes, we'll get some real numbers in front of them. What do you make not, of all this? Not going to piss Conor McGregor off because he's going to ask for a $25 million minimum no matter what now, no matter who he fights. If he says, hey, you can afford it. Here's the thing about Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather started those rumors. He admitted as such. He said it on on camera. The reason these rumors happened is because I started these rumors. His last fight, 400000 That That Pacquiao fight made him never have to do a thing again money. But he burns through money a lot. I don't think he's in money trouble, but I think he knows the biggest money fight is Conor McGregor. Now, Floyd offered him $25 million. That's lowballing him. That's lowballing Conor McGregor. And I think Dana White said, well, if you're going to offer him $25 million, maybe I'll offer you $25 million. Because without Conor McGregor, that fight doesn't draw. If this is uh, anybody else in the UFC, it's not going to draw as much. If it's any other boxer, it won't draw as much. Triple G, he'll draw. But Floyd Mayweather doesn't want to fight Triple G. He doesn't want that fight. And it's not going to do anywhere near Conor McGregor. If Conor McGregor did 400,000 buys, we would find him in a broom closet rocking back and forth in the fetal position, sucking his thumb and crying, contemplating what went wrong with his life to draw 400,000 pay-per-views. So <laughs> $25 million is lowballing both guys. Conor McGregor should be making $25 million a fight in the UFC, probably at minimum based on the amount that he draws against Floyd. If Conor McGregor fought Manny Pacquiao, he could make $25 million, without a doubt. So I, I don't know. I mean, Mayweather's – he's a smart guy. I mean, I'm sure he would beat the brakes off McGregor in a boxing fight, and McGregor would beat the brakes off of him in an MMA fight. But, I mean, it's disrespectful to say – after knowing that Mayweather fights for $100 million minimum to offer – the only piece that can make this magic happen, $25 million. I think that was more of a shot at McGregor saying, you want to lowball him, I'll lowball you. I think that's what that was. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but I, I think the UFC smells something here. I'm going to pay, pay very close attention uh, to some of this here. Uh, anything else you want to discuss? Uh, what's coming up in your week before I let you go? We do the post-Monday Night Raw podcast tomorrow night, post-Smackdown Tuesday. I'm with Jimmy Van Wednesday. Matt Riddle, who just won a progress championship over in the UK. We're talking about that Thursday. And Shane Helms on Friday. Go over to my Twitter account. Vote for the topic. You register at Fightful.com for free. You get early access to all this stuff. Talking to some cool names about writing for us. Uh, Yeah, lots of of good stuff at Fightful.com. If you're not visiting Fightful.com every day for your MMA news, your pro wrestling news, your boxing news, we had Carlos Toro at the Barclays Center this weekend covering Jack DeGale. Uh, He spoke to uh, Lou DiBella. He spoke to Eddie Hearn. Uh, I think he spoke to Mayweather. I think he talked to a lot of people, uh, Adrian Broner. So, you know, we got people doing stuff. Fightful.com. Weird how you do. Sorry, get our T-shirt. Fight or uh, prowrestlingtees.com slash Sean Ross. There is a link on the Fightful page. It is a beautiful shirt. I helped design it, Joe. <laughs> That's amazing. Good stuff. I just want to tell you before I let you go, how, it's funny how the universe works. Uh, it's been a week or so, maybe a little bit less than a week, where uh, I used to go on these kicks where I'd, uh, I'd just sit on my couch and turn on my Apple TV and just type in just old wrestling matches. I want to watch the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov versus... Uh, whoever, uh, I, oh, you know what? All week or for the weeks now, I'm like, I got to watch that Jimmy Snuka versus Don Morocco fight where Snuka jumps off the cage. And, you know, because I remember that fight or that I remember that match when I was a kid and I would always try and find the VHS tape and ask my dad, can we find it? Can we find it? I would watch it over and over again. For some reason, I just want to watch it. And then earlier today, I find out Superfly Jimmy Snuka passed away. Yeah, and that's that's a tough subject for a lot of people because of the court case he was going through. Um, there are a lot of questions surrounding the 1983 death of his then girlfriend, and I read about had that, yeah. he not had he not been this close to death and had dementia, 
he would have been on trial for that finally, and he likely would have been in a lot of trouble. So a very, very, very tough situation that is. And I feel for his family. He's got a lot of great family. Uh, his, his daughter Tamina, his, his uh, son who wrestled as Deuce in WWE, The Rock is very close with their family. Um, he considers the Snook his family. He was an instrumental part of a lot of people's childhood. I mean, gosh, Joe. I mean, I remember him. He was still semi-active through the 90s and the 2000s. He appeared at the 2008 Royal Rumble, WrestleMania 2009. <clears throat> he debuted in on the same, or he showed up at the same pay-per-view that The Rock debuted at in 96. So, I mean, he was he was around all through my childhood, even into my adulthood. But he's one of those guys like Chris Benoit, I'll probably never watch another one of their matches again unless I'm doing something like with Benoit. I'm going back and watching all the Royal Rumbles, and I've unfortunately got to see him. <clears throat> That's probably the only time I'll ever watch a Jimmy Snuka match again, but uh, condolences to his family, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a rough subject. Gotcha. Noted. But thank you very much for your time. Uh, it is 1.15 a.m. I will be back uh, on the airwaves once again uh, at 10 a.m. Eastern. Sean, thank you very much. As always, ladies and gentlemen, we are out. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.